So here's today's transformational truth. As cancer is to the body, so jealousy is to brotherhood. Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Our special guest today is Pastor Jason Dodrell. Jason is the lead pastor of Gateway Church in Shelbyville, Tennessee. He is a graduate of Lee University and is an ordained bishop with the Church of God in Cleveland, Tennessee. Jason has stewarded growth at Gateway Church from less than 60 people to over 1,000 people in worship. And their worship team, Madison Street Worship, is a signed artist with Integrity Music. However, Jason is very quick to point out that his greatest accomplishment in life is his family, his wife Sylvia, his sons Trevin and Samuel. Jason and I have been friends for several years, and we had an incredibly rich, transparent, and vulnerable conversation surrounding a very important topic pertaining to life and leadership. So let's go ahead and get started. So here's today's transformational truth. As cancer is to the body, so jealousy is to brotherhood. Of all the elements that can rob us of the joys of authentic relationships, jealousy has to be one of the most diabolical of all. It robs us of authenticity and the ability to cultivate life-giving friendships. It turns would-be friends into foes and transforms peers into competitors. It ushers in a subtle indifference that over time manifests itself in silently embittered brothers and sisters. And in the end, it leaves us divided, lonely, isolated, and vulnerable. And here helping us unpack today's transformational truth is Pastor Jason Dodrill. Welcome to Transformational Truths. We're really honored to have you today. Hey, thanks, bro. It's, uh, it's an honor to be here. Um, just thankful for you and for Tina and uh, the witness of, um, of your uh, life together and how you treat others um, is really a testimony uh, that tears down um, jealousy and division and competition. Uh, so I wouldn't want to do this interview with anyone else. Well, the feeling is mutual. And uh, I picked this subject specifically for our interview uh, because of our relationship and, and trust that has been built. And I know it's going to be rich. So let's go ahead and get started. Uh, Pastor, nobody is immune to jealousy. We can go ahead and get that out of the way. Um, sometimes it feels like uh, this is even more true in leadership environments. Uh, so here's my first question. Why do you think this, this oftentimes presence of jealousy that, that contributes to a lack of unity is oftentimes so pre prevalent in leadership culture? Yeah, um, I think it really goes back to a poverty mindset. Um, and what I, what I mean by that is this. I think there is this fear that there's not enough to go around. Um, there's this fear. And we saw it during quarantine, like, my Lord, you couldn't find toilet paper anywhere. There was a fear there wasn't enough to go around. So people began trying to hoard it to themselves. And I think a lot of times, even if you go back as, you know, to the beginning, I mean, from since Cain looked sideways at Abel, um, 
not being able to see that there's enough love and enough um, uh, room at uh, at the place of worship with Yahweh. Uh, instead of raising his worship, uh, he thought it was easier to tear down his brother. Mm-hmm. And and I think sometimes for us, we see people that are succeeding, are people that are doing what we want to be able to do, um, or even more than that, we have a fear of losing what we do have uh, because we are intimidated by what God's doing in, in through their life. You know, I'll give you an example of this. Um, we have been here at this church for 10 years and we've seen God do incredible things. Um, and I'm just so thankful for the favor and, and all of that. It's been, it's been incredible more than I ever thought I would get to experience in my life. However, um, we were one of the only churches in my immediate area that does church the way we do church that our worship sounds the way it sounds, that right. um, that our systems and structures the way it is, you know, go down the list. We're very unique to the city we're in. Well, recently there's a church that is a, a very large church in uh, the area around us in Murfreesboro, closer toward Nashville, and they're planting a campus here now. Now they do church similar to how we do church. They have music similar to the way we have music uh, and they have greater resources than we have. So there was this immediate thing that tried to rise up inside me hmm. that said, oh, this is during this coming out of this quarantine, coming through COVID, all the instability, the financial instability. Um, this is going to be a time that you're probably going to lose people. This is going to be a time that uh, that they're going to take over as kind of being the it church, you know, and I, just being real and laying right, that out right. there. And um at first I had this, this feeling of dread, this feeling of, you know, why are they coming here? Then I had to like check that. And, and I think if we're all honest, I know there's probably people listening right now that, man, that dude is so insecure. That dude is, I think we all have to face that. And that that's That's the reality. We don't talk about this and we don't own this. That's right. So people go through continuing to struggle with this. And so what I had to do was I had to, um, I had to kill that. I had to intentionally one, encourage them, um, I had to post openly and publicly celebrating their new campus. Um, I wanted to reach out to the pastor to welcome and to love him. Um, and, and I'm asking the Lord what else we can do to sow into what they're doing. Because when it, it came down to it, I had to realize I don't have a monopoly on souls in my city. Um, that there That's are good. so many people here that need to hear the gospel. And there's so many people that will never connect with my church that, that I lead or my leadership style or don't enjoy my preaching. And that's okay because there's diversity in the body. And so I think if we can get beyond this idea that if you have, that means that I'm losing something. Um, mm. I think that's a major issue because it, again, it goes back to that poverty mindset. Well, that's so good. <clears throat> right out of the gate. I just want to say thank you for being vulnerable and transparent I think one of the keys uh, to helping leaders grow, I think one of the keys to maturity emotionally and spiritually is vulnerability. One of the things that we, one of our mantras here with our team is that you can't be more powerful than you are vulnerable. Mm. And your vulnerability is already, I'm sure, touching hearts and it's refreshing. Um, last October, uh, I had the opportunity to interview Bishop Tony Miller, the late Bishop Tony Miller. And um, he touched on this point, Jason. He said something that 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 you just echoed um, when you talked about Cain and Abel. He said the reason a brother kills a brother is because he sees something in his brother he doesn't see in himself. That's good. 
And when you don't see in you what you see in somebody else, you'll be tempted to minimize or kill what's in them. And the importance of knowing your identity in Christ and finding that and just owning our insecurities, owning those moments of feeling kind of inferior and the practical steps. I mean, for our listeners, going back and hitting that 15 second rewind button a few times and re-listening to Pastor Jason's wisdom, insight, advice. How did he get through this? When he felt it, he admitted it. He owned it. How do I fight it? I bless them. I lean into it, not away from it. That's gold. So here's my follow-up question that wasn't a planned question. When you started leaning into it and you started blessing and uh, you started to reach out and affirm, what did that do for you in, in your heart inside? That, that anxiousness that you, that very real anxiousness that we, any honest leader and pastor that's listening can relate to. Yeah, well, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, the the major thing it did, and, and there's a little bit of backstory. I'm not going to get into this because too much detail, because I don't want some people listening that that may, you know, try to go all, um, you know, Sherlock Holmes on me and try to figure out what church it is and the leader. But right, right. Um, but the reality is there's there have been some things where this person had kind of talked bad about me and our church uh, openly. And um, so it was almost like there was this thing in me that said, well, why are you going to try to uh, to do this? But the moment I began to, to take the high road, as my, my parents would say, um, the moment I started taking the high road, it, it just took this pressure off. It took this, hmm. uh, it took the scoreboard down. Um, right. and, it, and it let me just see like, hey, we're in this together because I had to start seeing it from this instead of, and I think that the struggle that we have is we, instead of seeing what we can gain, we start worrying about what I can lose. Um, mm. And just shifting my attention to say, Lord, you're the one that brought me here to begin with. You're the one that blessed me with favor to begin with. You're the one that has let us see increase. It wasn't even me. It was you, your hand on it, Lord, you breathed on it. So if I start, and I can remember this, uh, Travis, I can remember when we first started growing, feeling the looks, the stares, the coldness of other pastors toward me. Um, right. And I immediately had to check myself to say, I don't want to make any other brother feel the way I felt alone in that. Um, and so just literally the only way to kill your flesh is to operate in the opposite spirit. Um, mm. And so if it's jealousy or if it's insecurity, then you just have to operate in kingdom confidence, love, and and literally investing in places that maybe the competitive side of you says you shouldn't do that. Uh, but that's how you kill it. You had to choose to do right when you didn't feel right. Well, that's good. Absolutely. Come on, man. Yeah, Absolutely. it's good, but it's easier to say than do. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's true. hey, this is incredible already. Uh, Pastor Jason is dropping some transformational truth for us. Um, I'm taking notes and, and listening as he shares. And one of the things I just wrote down was take the scoreboard down. That concept is worth its weight in gold as leaders. We can make up our minds uh, to take the scoreboard down. We can get our peace and our joy back. The vision of the podcast is to help leaders restore the joy to the journey. And um, Pastor Jason's helping us do that today. I want to ask you another question that's very similar. It's related, uh, but I think you'll have some some more insight, Jason. What what do you think makes us vulnerable to the presence of jealousy in our lives? And I know you sort of touched on that a little bit already, but 
but do you have some more insight? What what can you say to a leader that's listening that say, hey, this is going to make that you're going to be kind of vulnerable to this because of A, B, or C? Yeah, well, I think I think first of all, the most unhealthy leaders are insecure leaders. Um, I think that um, an insecurity manifests in different ways. Um, I think most often we see someone that walks around with a proud look, and we think, oh, well, they they're just really full of they're the most insecure person in the room um, because they're trying to convince themselves and uh, and right. themselves and others that uh, you know there's something that. Uh, um, you know, I think the whole issue of, of identity, and this is something I know you're really big on, uh, you know, Pastor Travis is, is at the heart of this, because I think we, we fought so hard to become what we already are. Um, mm. And I think that, you know, with using our metrics and our, our scoreboards, I think they validate us somehow. I can remember, you know, just being transparent. I remember when we were in a small building with a small crowd um, you know, not a lot of people wanted to talk to me. Um, but it was like the moment that we, you know, God blessed us and gave us a Walmart and our church grew and, and all the things began to happen. Uh, all of a sudden I got people trying to call me out of the woodwork wanting to be my spiritual father. Um, I felt like <laughs> I just been drafted in the NBA and I got all these daddies coming out of the, of the woodwork because yeah. but like, where were the fathers when, when I was over here, you, you know what I'm saying? And so yeah. it, it's like, so then your voice gets heard because of what you've experienced. So you start putting your identity and what you do uh, rather than being rooted in Christ. And so for mm -hmm. me, the issue, uh, I'll give you an example of this in the Bible. Saul fought for his place of appointment. David fought for his anointing. Mm -hmm. And Saul operating in that spirit, trying to hold on to what was never his to begin with. It was stewarded and placed in his hand as a stewardship issue, yeah. but him trying to fight and hold on to that made him lose the very thing that made him worthy of holding on to that thing, which was the anointing of God on his life. David, on the other hand, fought for the anointing when he made mistakes and he sinned. He immediately repented, turned to God, begged the Lord, don't remove your spirit from me, you know, all of that. And uh, I think for us, sometimes we we have this reckless abandonment to follow Jesus when we have nothing when we're starting out because we don't have anything to lose. And so we're bold and we're audacious. Yeah. Then we get a little measure of success. Um, and as we get that measure of success, it feels really good to us. It, it feeds our egos. It makes us feel like, you know, we're somebody. And then we do everything that we can do to hold on to that. And so we end up operating in an opposite spirit than what we initially operated in that got us to that place mm. of success to begin with. So in other words, we end up sabotaging our success to try to hold on to what was never ours to begin with. And we become the person we never wanted to become because we don't want to lose what we never thought we would be able to get. Um, wow. And so it's like this whole big hodgepodge of things that if we would just be rooted in Christ and, and say this, like, Lord, if I'm with you on the mountaintop in the moments where our church is booming, where we're growing, you know, by, you know, a hundred or 200 people every six months, or we're, uh, we're seeing incredible favor and doors open. But am I also going to be locked in with you uh, when we're in quarantine and people leave the church and they're, they're talking bad behind my back. They're questioning my leadership. It right. seems like it's a snowball of things that are happening because if we have our worth and we have our identity in only what the metrics that we have established within church culture, um, we're going to end up losing ourselves 
And when we lose ourselves and we have this, this shaky ground and we see someone else that begins to step into the fullness of their identity, we end up throwing spears at them like Saul did to David. Mm. And so it creates this, this nature that in me, that if I'm losing this and you're gaining something, you're taking this from me. But in reality, it wasn't mine to begin with. Wow. That's so good. So good. And so important backing up just a minute. I wanted to touch on something that, that you shared regarding the sudden emergence of um, quote unquote fathers um, at the onset of your success. And um, I I remember uh, previously getting very frustrated with brothers until one day I realized that, that many uh, brothers didn't have fathers Mm -hmm. or if, or if they did, um, they were oftentimes insecure fathers. And, and it's very difficult for an insecure father to produce a secure son. It's a very difficult thing to do. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult. And oftentimes, if, you know, in Saul's case, um, Saul's insecurity was so contagious. Yes. Um, he stood before he should have been fighting Goliath. He never stepped out. He, he, he lacked such so much identity uh, to the point scripture says that the entire army shook in their boots whenever um, Goliath came out. They, his insecurity was so contagious and um, God, had to, God had to bring in an outsider who had a different mindset. He had been meditating on the Lord and had his mind focused on the Lord and in his mind, he couldn't fail. And so the importance of having a, having that voice in your life, how did you navigate the space? Did you always have a spiritual father in your life prior to your success? Did you have that in your life? And, and if you did, how did it impact the difficult season of your life? Yeah, well, that's, that's a great question. Um, I find it ironic also that uh, when David started succeeding, Saul tried to position himself as a father. Um, and so that was uh, an interesting insecure right. move by him to ride on his success. Right. Um, I think for me, um, I have had spiritual fathers, you know, I mean, my, my natural father, um, was a spiritual father in many ways, um, in the way that, uh, he taught me values and the way that he taught me holiness and, and, um, authenticity, um, that was very much real in my, in my father's life. And, I had a a spiritual father who was my, I've had seasons where I've had people who have fathered me in seasons. And I had a a pastor growing up that invested in me, got me preaching, um, you know, love him tremendously. My father-in-law has been uh, since he came into my life, really a spiritual father in, um, and, you know, he's in ministry. And so he, he could really speak things into my life um, and taught me relational leadership, taught me to love and value people. Mm. Um, you know, I came in when I went to Lee, I was a guy that just thought you just preach really good and uh, kind of have those pithy one-liners that get people told. And that was, uh, that was ministry. And, right. and he really brought me under his wing and, and nurtured me. Um, and, and I've had others that have made incredible investments. And, and I don't want to diminish the fact that there are people that see where I'm at and see what God has done. And they, they just want to help contribute to what God's doing. I don't want to say right. I'm right. Uh, ungrateful. Um, I'm just saying it would have been nice to have some of those same people in the <laughs> challenging season. So Absolutely. Uh, what, what I have found is um, this is a season where, uh, you know, I turned 40 this year. So I'm, I'm in this interesting season where I have fathers and I'm now fathering. Um, mm. And so it's, it's kind of this both world thing. Uh, which I think is the way we should live our life anyway. But also being very intentional 
um, to cultivate relationships with brothers has been important to me, um, especially over the last few years. Mm. Gold, uh, gold. I mentioned Jason that I had recently interviewed Bishop, the late Bishop Tony Miller, and he made um, at another important point. I I feel like applies to our conversation. He said, uh, "Comparison and competition are the twin demons of hell." Um, Jason, uh, we we agree that we're not created to compete, but to complete. So, mm -hmm. in your estimation, what do we as leaders need to do to do our part? And breaking this vicious cycle of comparison and competition that just just sucks the joy and the life out of brotherhood and leadership. Yeah, well, well, I think we have to shift the culture around leadership in the church. Um, and, and what I'm, I know that sounds like such a vague comment, but what I mean is this: we have to start celebrating the right things. Mm. Um, we have to start redefining what winning looks like, um, because for me. Um, you know, success doesn't justify being a jerk. And right. oftentimes we'll see somebody if they've got, um, you know, more butts in the seat than I've got, well, they can act like a jerk and everybody's going to excuse them being a jerk because they've got a big crowd. Right. And I think that as long as we uh, measure it just by how many are in a crowd or how great our facilities are or what's our reach and our impact and influence, what all of those kind of things, I think that we're going to, continued in the cycle of competition because everyone's trying to get on top of that hill and that mountain. Hmm. I think that we have to, to shift our culture from a results base to a process oriented. What I mean by that is this, is that we don't just celebrate what happens because at the end, God's the one who gives the increase anyway. Right. Um, I, I tell some of our young leaders here all the time, what's the difference between Isaiah and Jeremiah? Isaiah was prophesying in the court of a king and Jeremiah was thrown down into a septic tank. Um, mm. Was Isaiah more successful than Jeremiah? Or were they both successful because they were faithful and obedient to what God had called and had anointed their life to accomplish? And I think sometimes, um, and, and I wanna, I wanna just insert this, this is not a justification for not growing. This is not a justification for not right. reaching people. This right. is not a justification to say, um, long as I've got my five people on the backside of somewhere, I'm happy. That, that's all I'm talking about. We should always be right. growing as leaders. We should always have a heart for the harvest. So I'm not excusing poor leadership. What I'm saying is if we could get in a Colossians 3.23 mindset where everything I do is as unto the Lord, that's how we measure winning. So how I treat my brother is as unto the Lord. That's a win if I'm faithful in that. How I steward and, and preach sermons, how I steward leadership in the church, how I invest in mm. others if we get obsessed with the process, um, I know you're a sports fan and um, I'm a sports fan and, and I grew up in Alabama. So I'm obviously an Alabama fan. Um, I'm sorry and, to hear that. Yeah, it's okay, man. This winning is a burden to, to, to carry, <laughs> but uh, it's uh, trying to stay humble. Um, but one of the things about it is, um, is, you know, Nick Saban at coach Saban at Alabama, the thing he talks about all the time is the process. Because it's not difficult to win. It's difficult to maintain a winning posture and, and success. Mm. And so because oftentimes once you win, you get entitled, you get um, right. your attitude changes, you, your posture changes, you're not hungry, you're not humble. And I think getting in that process mindset is significant and is important for us. Uh, because the reality is people will repeat what you reward. So if we are celebrating these things that are 
really not the wins and we ignore like like why do we celebrate the crowd but we ignore the character right like like, right. like why why do we celebrate these things so what happens is because we ignore these other aspects people feel like i can sacrifice my character to get the crowd yeah. because right. that's what a win looks like so i think fundamentally it's not going to to really change until we change what we celebrate because what we celebrate uh, is really the seeds of our ambition and our appetite. And until we change that, mm. we're going to continue in the same cycle of every, everybody fighting and clawing to get to the top of this ecclesiastical cold war. So good. Wow. Ecclesiastical cold war. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, Jesus, something I discovered uh, a couple of years ago that really resonated with me was a paradigm shifting uh, in my own mindset, my own journey was uh, Jesus never one time said, well done, thou good and successful. No. He said, well done, thou good and faithful. Um, That is a a freeing reality, I think, for us as leaders. Um, Pastor Jason has been sharing some of the most practical, um, applicable um, wisdom in the area of ministry, in the area of leadership. And I want to encourage everybody, uh, when you have an opportunity to go back and, and listen to this again, because I'm convinced that if we can grab a hold of the principles that we're talking about today, a lot of our joy, a lot of our peace could be restored. We could actually enjoy leading. We could enjoy this journey. We could enjoy friendships and relationships again. Um, Jason, so many of the leaders that I often talk to are lonely. Um, they're frustrated. They want relationships, uh, but they're not sure, you know, who to trust or where to begin because of the ecclesiastical cold war, as you so poetically put it, uh, what advice would you give to encourage that leader? Yeah, I think, um, I think one, um, there was a season where I was my own worst enemy and my own insecurities made me think people were thinking of me or talking about me in a way that they were not. Um, and that drove me into isolation and it became me versus the world. Um, Mm. and I had to ask the Lord to help me, uh, out of that. And what happens is it puts you in a posture of isolation. And as you isolate yourself, others feel isolated from you. So they think that you're not a kind person. So then they begin saying that, and it validates the narrative you've already created in your own head. So I I would say the first thing I had to do was I had to say, Lord, show me people, um, that you want me to partner with. And the Lord, uh, I remember I said, God, just show me three people. And, and he showed me three people. And, and you're one of those people. I don't know if you remember the call where I, I said, I remember, I remember like it was uh, yesterday. Yeah. I called you and I said, man, I said, listen, um, I feel like I'm supposed to, uh, I'm assigned to have a, like I, the Lord uh, spoke your name to me, showed me you and said, I'm supposed to develop a relationship with you. And, uh, mm. uh, and that can be weird, but you handled it in stride because you weren't like, okay, this dude's weird. Um, I'm going to hang up now. <laughs> uh, you were great, man. And, um, and you literally become uh, one of my best friends, uh, that I've been able to have in ministry. And, and I would say with that, um, you have to take the risk of vulnerability. Um, mm. it, it's a risk and there's, there's times you're going to get hurt. Um, but ask the Lord to lead you to the right people. Um, I've found, and this is the thing for me, it's, it's more significant to be deeply known than widely known. Um, and, and I would rather have some people that I can really love and really do life with than just creating a network of people that I use 
as background pieces in this narrative called the Jason Dodrell story. Um, mm. I, I would rather have people that I lock arms with and we do this together, that we win together, we weep together, we laugh together, we cry together. Um, and part of that is is being vulnerable enough even to confess your sins one to another. Um, mm. And when you see in the Bible, you confess your sins to Jesus for forgiveness, but you confess your sins to each other for healing. Um, and I think that for us to be whole, especially as leaders and as ministers, we have to have someone that we can have those those heart level conversations with. And the only way we're going to have that is taking a risk, reaching out and literally being intentional to cultivate that. Um, that's like picking up the phone, calling someone and say, I want to be your friend. Um, yeah. And then just cultivating that friendship. Yeah. And I would even say this, have a posture in your life. Um, and this is something that begins to sow seeds in other people's hearts and lives. Um, I have a thing, not because I'm awesome, but I, when I first got invited to green rooms, you probably remember what that was like. You know, I used to yeah. always be out in the, in the thing. I was like, man, I wonder what it's like back there in the glory yeah. behind the veil yeah. in the green room. And, uh, and I want to be back there with my favorite preachers and get to meet them and all of that kind of stuff. And, and again, I'm deeply honored. I got to meet some amazing people, but uh, I remember when I first got in there, I had this pressure to feel like I had to position myself at the, at the head of the table. I had to position myself to be uh, where I wanted to be. And I remember the Holy Spirit checked me in one of those rooms and he said, don't do that. He said, find the one in the room no one's talking to mm. and go build a relationship with them. And, um, and I would just say, you know, find the people um, that one you feel God is calling you to, but always have a heart for the people no one's talking to um, and be intentional to cultivate a relationship with them. Cause not only does it encourage them, but it keeps your heart honest too. Ah, gold, absolute gold. We're getting absolute gold. Um, uh, Jason, you, you talked about the, the danger of vulnerability or the perceived danger or the, the potential getting hurt because you were vulnerable. Um, you know, I've, I've been on both sides of it and here's what I found out. If I'm guarded and I'm not vulnerable, you know what? I got hurt. I got hurt when I wasn't vulnerable. Yeah. So I might as well be vulnerable. I might as well take the risk and and discover the pleasure of good friendship and relationship with people. Because in my experience, you can get wounded either way. But at least if I'm opened up, if I've opened my heart up to somebody else, another friendship or relationship, then when I get wounded, there's someone there to help me heal. That's powerful. Absolutely. Golden, uh, incredible interview today. Uh, the transformational truth is as cancer is to the body, so jealousy is to brotherhood. Uh, Pastor, where can people find you? Yeah, um, you can go to gatewayshelbyville.com. I'm on uh, all social media platforms at Jason Daldrell. Um, I have the Jason Daldrell podcast, um, part of the Charisma Podcast Network, uh, jasondaldrell.com. Um, there's you know, various places you can find me, but probably the easiest place to stay up uh, to date on what's going on is just going to social media, following me, connecting with me, because I love to have relationships with people. So, Absolutely. And I can attest to that. If if you'd like to connect with Pastor Jason Daudrill, please check out the links that we've included for you in the show notes. And if Transformational Truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor, take a moment, go to Apple iTunes to rate the show, write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership Jason, thanks for hanging out with us today. Thanks, bro.